At Purpose Church, we believe that we are better together. If you're new to Purpose Church or haven't yet, you won't want to miss the opportunity to sign up for Rooted. Rooted is a 10-week small group experience designed to help you connect with God and other people on their journey. During the past two years, over a thousand people have experienced Rooted, and each one has a story of the amazing ways that God has impacted their lives. Let's begin your story. On Sunday morning, find more information at the Connect Center after the service, or go right now to PurposeChurch.com Rooted for more information on how you can go deeper. Also, mention the podcast for a 25% discount on your materials. Get rooted. You know who's doing it? Yo, who's doing it? God is is doing it. Welcome to the Purpose Podcast. Our goal for everyone everywhere to follow Jesus. So that means you and your friends and their friends and everyone else. Let's get deeper. Hey, Purpose people, welcome to the Purpose Podcast, your show for everything Purpose Church. This show is a show to give you a chance to process your Christian life and talk frankly and honestly about what it means to be a Christian in our culture today. And we believe that growing people change, and our goal is to give you the tools to help you get deeper and uh, have a more vibrant relationship with Jesus. Um, My personal goal, too, is to give you some people that have influenced my walk with Jesus. So um, hopefully it can help you guys, too. So thank you so much for joining us. It's March 7th, 2017. This is episode four. My name is Jarrett LeMaster, and I'm the worship pastor and young adults pastor here at Purpose Church. And uh, thankfully, it's not just me talking to you today. I have smarter and more interesting people here. Uh, Okay, so he is a professor at Azusa Pacific University, a writer, a father, and he's really into Pokemon. And strangely enough, he's never been cast in Pirates of the Caribbean. So let's just dispel all those rumors right now. I mean, just, that's that's gotten out there. So I just want you guys to, don't believe it. Don't believe it. Okay, Caleb Spencer, everyone. Hey, Caleb, how you doing? Good morning, Jarrett. How are you? I'm so good. I always like the way that you say good morning. Um, it's so it's so cool. You're so cool, man. Sorry, I'm still finishing my order here. I didn't know we were going to get started this fast. <laughs> All right, well, we're started, dude. We're in. Oh, so sorry. So okay. sorry. All right, cool. Hey, so we also uh, have um, another guest here today. Um, all right, so he, Jeff, has recently started podcasting, right? Well, I'm thinking about it. As of last, I mean, as this of is, last this week, is a podcast. So <laughs> right, yeah, um, recently started. And like the hip hop apotamus, his lyrics are bottomless. This is true. Jeff Boyan, everybody, here true. we go. Jeff Boyan, how you doing this week? I'm buddy? doing good. Cool. Good. How was the um, overwhelming response from the podcast last week? I mean, oh, well, I think just that overwhelming. Ha- have you had? Um, you've become kind of famous, really. A little bit. Yeah. And I don't want to brag about it, but yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what happened. And I'm kind of a big deal. You are kind of a big deal. It's true. I mean, I don't want to brag for you but i think i will I'm all right not even so mad. that's amazing yeah no it is amazing I, and uh just for the millions of you that are listening out there <laughs> um um thank Minus you for a tuning million in or two. thank you for tuning in all right so let's get this show on the road what do you guys say yes i don't know where that phrase came from but i do want to get this show started so let's get started here we go
Sermon Recap. Okay, so this week we're covering last week's sermon titled, The Forgotten God. It was preached by Glenn Gunderson. So, uh, warning, I repeat warning, if you weren't there on Sunday, I strongly encourage you to go back and access the archives at purposechurch.com slash category slash sermons so you have a better summary than I'm about to give you. Okay, this is going to be a quick summary, but uh, we'll get some more. We'll get into depth in the conversation. Okay, here we go. Let's make this clear. The Holy Spirit is God. Okay? He has a personality. When we believe in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. He literally lives in us. He made a distinction. So Glenn made a distinction between the indwelling and infilling and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Um, The Holy Spirit gives us power. Uh, He helps us understand right and wrong, and he also gives us gifts. He, um, uh, Glenn also described the Spirit as if you were driving a car, (laughs) which I actually really like this metaphor. Um, It's one of my favorites. But if you're driving a car um, and when you receive Christ, you give the Holy Spirit the driver's seat, and then you are in the passenger seat. And uh, there are times when if you want to do what you want to do, the Holy Spirit will tell you not to go a certain direction. But if you insist on it, he'll give you the wheel and you can go there. He will go to the passenger seat. Yes, you can go do that, but I can't drive you there. Um, That's what he says. So I really like that um, metaphor. And you eventually may go to the place where he tells you to go. But um, the, the thing about your relationship with him is that when you want to get when you want to have a um, when you want him driving the way that you get him back in the driver's seat is you confess repent and uh, say hey I want you to lead my life from here on out and then he does that um very very helpful for me I, I definitely love that uh, a couple things he also um, helps us in prayer too and he helps us love so first impressions what do you guys think uh, about about last week's sermon and all that stuff. I thought it was one of the best ones I've ever heard from Glenn, so I really enjoyed it. Are you looking at me, Trent? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually, yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, it's a good reminder that we typically don't think as much about the Spirit as we should. Um, I mean, it's funny how much Jesus himself talks about the Spirit. I was just looking over a bunch of verses, and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, um, yeah, I mean, there's some really interesting passages about the Holy Spirit, so hopefully we'll get to talk about some of those Well, today. technically, there's 533 passages about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Glenn said in the sermon. Is that Five, what he said? Yeah, 533 passages. That's a lot of, that's a lot of passages. <laughs> that's a lot. Uh, yeah, so, so, okay, let's get to some of the topic questions. I think the Holy Spirit's one of my favorite topics. I think for the Christian life, it is it is the life of the Christian. It's, the, it's how we function. Um, it's... It's a, it's it is the the spiritual side, the metaphysical side of everything that we experience as Christians. Um, the kind of weird stuff that happens in the Christian life, uh, like you were talking about, like speaking in tongues, glossolalia, all that kind of stuff, is because of the Holy Spirit um, healings, all that kind of stuff. The interact, He's the member of the Trinity that is here, uh, interacting with us on Earth. Um, Jesus and the Father are in heaven uh, and communicating. Uh, he communicates on behalf of them. And so there's a lot of cool stuff. So let's talk about that for a second. So who is the Holy Spirit? Well, I think that when you, uh, so even going back to your initial kind of the, 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 he literally lives within us is such an interesting concept because I don't know about you, but growing up, uh, I've, we've got, we've all got kids. And when I've got a couple of kids that have uh, uh, become Christian, been saved, given their life to Jesus. 
and so this idea that I grew up with, I don't know about you, but so I have to ask Jesus into my heart. You know, there's a book actually called Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart because that's just such an odd concept. But when you have the spirit that's within you, you know, thinking like Jared can't get inside of me. Like we tried, it's hard, you're big, I'm smaller. And so to get a person inside of me, but there's the spirit. And so I think even that reminder is a good reminder to help us uh, kind of understand some of these more even kind of um, obscure realities that come with the scriptures and the spirit especially. Well, and I think you're talking about obscurity. We have a lot of metaphors that we use to describe our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I've heard some really weak ones. I've heard some good ones. Uh, one of the ones that I grew up with, you know, which I, you know, I think it definitely breaks down. It's it's the one that talks about the Spirit as the three types of water, like mm-hmm. like God as as you know, as we're talking about the Trinity, I guess. Yeah. Um, but God as solid, solid you know, ice, paper. and then Jesus as liquid water, mm-hmm. and then the Spirit as the steam, which yeah. kind of probably adds to our. Um, adds to our misconception about the and spirit. And perhaps why we have, uh, uh, like, smoke during right. worship services. Smoke, because we want the spirit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Glenn made the made a point on Sunday, which I totally love, and he had Yoda in the background while he was talking, which I thought that was great. As he should have. Um, he said the spirit is not a force. Uh, he's mm. not the smoke. He's not energy. He's not electricity. Mm. Although, you know, as functionally, he does kind of, he kind of makes, he he gives us, he empowers us and he gives us, you know, power, like that kind of stuff. But he isn't those things. He has a personality. Um, You know, he, he's grieved. He, um, you can quench him. You can grieve him. He has, he gives gifts. He, you know, he has the the fruit of the spirit is his character. Like, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. And I always forget gentleness, I think, because I'm not a very gentle person. I think I just forget that all the time. But yeah, but those are the things, those are the evidences of the Holy Spirit because that's his personality. That's who he is when he lives inside of a human being. Um, well, and it's interesting because that, that brings up some, I mean, you're making very material and concrete um, comments about the work of the Spirit, but it also brings us back to um, how Scripture talks about Spirit in kind of more than one way. Um, in uh, the Hebrew Bible, in, in the um, in the second uh, creation narrative there, when God breathes life into um, creation, or into the created man, um, ah. it's ruha, which is Hebrew for breath, but it's also, so it's sort of life on the one hand, and, and that tradition stays, I mean, Christianity obviously is born out of um, a context where people are very interested in what kind of makes us work, and and there's a way in which it overlaps, right? Like the Aristotle, for example, um, is very concerned about what moves us and like what animates us um, in his work, and that seems like Scripture sometimes is talking about that, and then it's also talking about how God is Himself part of what moves us, and it's not the same thing as just like you know the the sort of spirit inside of us that we all have by being alive, right? So the difference between me and a rock is that I have spirit, but that's not the same as the Holy Spirit, which will come upon you, you know, the, the, that Christ will send to us. Um, but there, there is a connection between those two. Like Now, uh, let me just ask you about this then. You brought up the Hebrew word for, for breath. Mm-hmm. Is, that the same, is that the same concept for the spirit? It is the same Hebrew word, but it's not used the same in different contexts. So, in different contexts. Yeah, so, so like when the spirit of God moves upon um, Moses and har- – I'm sorry, on, on Pharaoh and hardens his heart, it's the same word. Um, but it, it's you know all in the in the rabbis it's always understood to be a different kind of 
spirit than just like what animates a person versus a rock, you know? Um, so it's the same, I mean, but they're related concepts, right? Like, mm-hmm. like we move because we have, like what we think of as being alive is in some sense having a soul or having a spirit, but that's distinct from um, the spirit of God that comes upon Pharaoh and hardens his heart as an well, example. Well, and I think this is an interesting concept that you're, I, I, what we received originally before the fall so was the spirit of God, the life of God. So yeah. I actually, as a Christian, in a Christian theology, we had the we had the indwelling of the Holy Spirit prior to the fall. Yeah. And then when we fall um, in Genesis, we fall because we decide to sin. We decide to uh, we decide to be independent from God. We decide to take on the responsibility of our own actions and no right and wrong. We eat the apple, um, that kind of thing. And the spirit it's of God. Ap- it's technically it wasn't an right. apple. That's Milton. <laughs> okay. Not not. It was not, the not the Bible. <laughs> it was probably a pom- pomegranate. They're messier. It was a um, fig. Definitely yeah. a fig. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> definitely anyway, a cursed fruit. A cursed fruit. Yeah, pomegranates. Hate them. Um. Anyway, so, so what happens is the Holy Spirit leaves leaves humanity, and then the definition of what it means. So we we don't have the spirit of God after that event. Um. He leaves our he leaves our hearts. Um, he leaves the indwelling, leaves us. We don't get that anymore because it says that we die on the day that we eat of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. We die that day. And Jesus, I mean, God, when he comes down, doesn't find two corpses at the foot of the tree. He finds two very much alive people um, physically, but spiritually they're dead because they're separated from God. And then Jesus comes, and the the, the most important thing that Jesus does uh, I mean, he forgives our sins when he dies on the cross and resurrects. He, he forgives our sins. But the most important thing he does is he makes it possible for God to be inside of a human being again. And so, like, you get the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit comes back uh, with the resurrection of Christ. Well, and uh, the, I mean, the Holy of Holies obviously complicates that in, in the Hebrew um, practice, but then Christ's uh, ripping of the um, veil between the um, outer and inner court of the the temple at the death is itself a kind of image of the spirit being um, freed from this space where you know f- tabernacled you know in the in the um, mm-hmm. Hebrew Bible. So um, yeah, suggesting that like the spirit is alive and active in ways that he wasn't before, uh, present in ways he wasn't before. But it's I mean it's interesting because that there isn't it's not as though there's like no spirit and then there is spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in Genesis two, the right. the passage says. Um, then the Lord took some soil from the ground, formed a man out of it. This is the um, NIV. And he breathed life, b- giving breath into his nostrils, and the man began to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's the word spirit, which is used elsewhere. The same Hebrew word is used elsewhere to describe um, the Holy – I mean, something more like the Holy Spirit, something closer to the Holy Spirit. Right. Well, and it's not like in, – and in the Old Testament, you do have instances where the Holy Spirit um, – takes over people like he you know david's filled with the spirit saul yeah. is filled with the spirit and prophesies um it's not that the holy spirit doesn't do those things on occasion um but it is like the prophet joel the the holy spirit's poured out on all flesh uh, as a result of pentecost as a result of jesus's death burial resurrection um access because that forgiveness happens that 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 the cleansing of the human race in Christ, then the possibility of the Holy Spirit indwelling us through Christ's sacrifice, Christ making a way for for the Spirit to be back in us and for us to be alive again. And we talked about um, we talked about John seventeen last week, where God 
he, Christ came that we might have abundant life. And this is the abundant life that Jesus is talking about, the indwelling life of the Spirit, this relationship, this kind of eternally um, deep and, and amazing relationship that, that we and, and life that we can have is in Christ, and it's a literal thing where the, God himself indwells us. So I don't know. What do you think, Jeff? Well, so that here again, like last week, it, it's why it's it's point case in point for why our theology matters and why we have to look at scriptures from start to end. Mm. So we talk about Genesis, we talk about the fall of mankind, and so then we go back and and looking at you know the notes and here in the the summary from Glenn's sermon on Sunday, he talked about Romans eight nine, and so if you continue on in eight nine ten and eleven. Uh, especially 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So if you're trying to look just at New Testament and say, well, this is this is for us today, and you ignore Old Testament, then we're missing explanation that leads to where we are today. And so, again, from a, we'll go back to worldview, we'll go back to theology, how we view God, um, you know, how we even think about things like the Holy Spirit, like the Trinity, all of these things matter as it informs the way that we think, which the way that we think then informs the way that we act. And so how are we acting as Christian? And are am I acting as though I'm dead? I'm dead in my sin, but through the Holy Spirit and his power indwelling within me, the, the power that we see again, uh, I think Glenn talked about in Acts, what, Acts 1-8, this power that we have because the Spirit's in us, uh, I am, I'm no longer dead. Maybe my body is dead, but I'm alive in Christ. I'm alive through the power of the Holy Spirit, which gives me great hope and great joy. And how do we experience that practically, Caleb? Well, you know, it's, um, before we get practical, I think the um, the other piece of this is like you can be very much dead in your spirit as well. I mean, Jesus, I mean, in John 8 is very explicit with the uh, Pharisees that they are animated by their father, the devil, so that... I mean, the, the practicality goes both ways, right? That in, in the post-lapsarian world, in the fallen world, that what drives you, what animates you, what is, you know, leading to life or death um, is one thing or the other. It's not a, you know, I mean, and, and it, they coexist, obviously, in our in our partial and yet complete sanctification. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I think it gets really practical. I mean, this sounds obvious, but it gets really practical when we look at the life of Jesus. Like, he seems to be suggesting a life that's filled with the Spirit will be one where the, the blind see and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and, you know, the temple veil is torn in two and the well, dead we s- rise. And we s- it w- t- truly, and we see that in the, the Acts of the Apostles, too. Yeah. We see Jesus living his life through the Holy Spirit, through his people. Yeah. And then we see all those same things. We yeah. see amazing things. Um, but we also see other things, too. We see a lot more material things in the characters and the lives of the yeah, people right. that are indwelled by the Spirit. We don't just see these amazing miracles. We see both sides. Yeah. So there's two sides of this this kind of concept, and I think we make mistakes. We fall off the log on either side um, because we make mistakes um, by saying either, oh, the Holy Spirit, like, oh, it's, it's all this Pentecostal stuff, like, mm-hmm. you know, the healings and the gold dust and, you know, the flex falling from the ceiling and you know people barking like, like dogs and like, <laughs> like whatever that is that up. yes and that, no, yeah and uh there's that side and there's speaking in tongues we which by the way the, the technical term is colossal lingua mm. uh, i found out this week um actually i knew that but um you were reminded yes i was reminded through and the, through the power of the holy spirit right well and that stuff happens like i yeah. i think that is a very very legit expression it's not always used correctly but it's mm-hmm. definitely a legit expression of 
of the Holy Spirit living his life in a person. It's the evidence. And then the other side of it is what? We wanted to talk about the material yeah, side. Yeah, well, so, I mean, and again. Like, the character I, side. Yeah, and I think, I mean, in a, a kind of strange way, the most obvious way the Spirit works in our lives is what we call sanctification, right? So becoming what we were supposed to be, um, being restored, um, yeah, as you already mentioned, the fruits of the Spirit, but 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 just the sort of basic Christian discipleship is itself evidence of the Spirit's work. I mean, the extra gifts are, are fantastic, but um, and I I'm certainly wouldn't want to speak against them at all, uh, but the primary manifestation of the works of the Spirit are just the ordinary disciplines of the Christian's life. The fact that you are becoming more Christ-like um, is itself evidence that you are indwelled by the Spirit. And like, to use Ben's words, um, I mean, those things are miracles as well. The fact that we can be kind to somebody is a miracle in a, f- in a world where we should want to not be kind. and not. I mean, the fact that we talked about generosity last week, the fact that our habits in the week before that could be in some sense restored that's a miracle. That's a miracle of the Holy Spirit, just as much as the gifts of like speaking in tongues and prophesying, and, mm-hmm. and you mentioned some others, <laughs> the gold falling from the ceiling, the yeah. snake handling. I've looked all over Scripture and still can't find any any that. reference to gold dust. Yeah, the gold so, dust. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry to bring that up. I actually, um, <laughs> I probably shouldn't have brought that up. It's not. Yeah. Well, and like really, I brought those the right. weird ones up because yeah. those are the ones that people are always kind of. But I mean, really seriously, like something as straightforward as evangelism is itself. A manifestation of the spirit, right? Yeah. That that you would proclaim Christ to others is itself a kind of miracle, right? That you would be alive to the to the knowledge of who God is and who He's made Himself manifest to you through Christ. Like that's a miracle. I mean, I think yeah. that's part of what we forget is the sort of ordinary miracles of the work of the Spirit all the time, because we just think of them as like, well, of course, like that's that's just what it means to be a Christian. And it's like, yeah, precisely. Mm-hmm. Being, being indwelled and filled by the, the, the Spirit is what it means to be a Christian, and all of those things that we do in an ordinary day mm-hmm. are themselves evidence of the Spirit's miraculous work in our lives. Well, what, what, what about the uh, people that are good people that are not indwelled by the Holy Spirit, that don't believe in Jesus? Um, that's my question, and I think that may be a question that the, the people that are listening have, too, is we've got these people out there that are good people, too. Yeah. I mean, what, so what's the chief end? So is it because I am trying to do something to earn my way to be good enough to, to be recognized for that? Um, I, I think it, it, the challenge is, is it's what's the ultimate motivation, right? What are our ulterior? So my ulterior motive to be nice to you and to, you know, to be your friend is only because I think I'm going to get something out of it. Well, then that's not, that's not a Holy Spirit inspired urge. Like there's different urges. There's things that I know I should or shouldn't do. So and I think if you really break down all those arguments on why I do what I do, uh, maybe it's this. We talked about it last week about this idea of um, moralistic therapeutic deism. Mm. So it's about these ideas that are good, makes me feel good. God is a good, good father. He makes me feel good. <laughs> do you like that? That's a worship song reference. You're welcome for that. But, um, but, <laughs> but my urge is to do things that are beyond me. That um, I was can't remember where exactly it was, but this idea of the common good that benefits somebody else much like I'm giving freely my money away because I'm being obedient to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's an issue of the heart. That I mean, really, it comes down to in my heart, we are all, our heart, I mean, we see in the Old Testament is wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can okay. trust it? Well, maybe that's the point because I feel like when the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit actually indwells a person, 
it starts to work. It, it works from the inside out. Mm-hmm. So it does change things from the inside. It changes motives eventually. Not not initially. Honestly, the, the those those motives don't change initially. Um, the sanctification process is a long process, but your motives, uh, your selfish motives, kind of for doing good things, kind of go away. And you talk about Jesus saying that there are people that do good things that are on the outside doing very good, uh, but on the inside they're whitewashed tombs. It's mm-hmm. like it's, he calls them whitewashed tombs. You're dead on the inside, um, but on the outside you look beautiful. He's talking to the Pharisees um, who were the religious leaders of the day, and Jesus was constantly, constantly harping on these guys. They were self-righteous. Um, they were legalistic. They, were, they did all the good works, but on the inside they were dead. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus comes. He makes the comparison between hating a person and murder, and he, and lusting after a person, and committing adultery, and he says that's essentially the same thing. The motive and the action are tied; they're the same thing, and and the sin begins in the heart, and then sanctification. Then, when the Holy Spirit comes in and influences a person and changes them over time, uh, really deals with the heart. It really deals with the motives of a person, and not just their. Um, their physical stuff, their their actual actions, their sin life. Uh, it has to do with the, where those sins begin, and God starts to change those things over time. Yeah, I think I'm a little uncomfortable, though, with this idea that the only thing we should be concerned about is the motives with our actions. And, and what I mean by that is it seems to me that at least part of what we have to be talking about is how— uh, I don't want to call it God's spirit because I'm uncomfortable with that, but God's goodness is not totally effaced in people. Like in going back to that Genesis two narrative. Explain explain what you mean with effaced. In oh, people. like removed or, or taken out. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I was trying to think of a different word for it and I couldn't. Um, yeah, I wrote so, the notes say totally effaced. Yeah. <laughs> My notes say effaced. All right. I, I was having a hard time thinking of a word that wasn't effaced. Uh, what yeah, is like that some word people for? are just on a completely different like um, think of those like um, intellectual level than the average person. Like those those uh, statues. You're speaking a different language. The, the statues that are, uh, you know, the nose is taken off of by conquerors. Like that's effacement, right? Like you remove oh, the yeah. face. So like, so we were talking about how God's. You know, th- th- there's a sense in which, like, how we know the difference between our work is, like, what our motivation is. And so the question of how do, how do bad people or unsaved people do good things seems to me still part of, I mean, what um, theologians refer to as common grace. And the idea that, in some ways, God's goodness is still in people. And how does that work as it relates to, I mean, Jesus makes it very clear that he's giving us a new spirit. Mm-hmm. And the example you brought up from Glenn's sermon about the two drivers and the old old man and the new man um obviously those that kind of imagery suggests that you know maybe the old man had no ability um to do good and so i don't know that's a really complicated question like can people who haven't found christ do good well the answer seems practically yes well they can well and you were talking about i mean it brings up the idea that we believe in christianity there's a term that we use called total depravity um which then would suggest, I think total depravity suggests that there is nothing that you can do that is good. And actually, Paul does say that. He says, there is nothing. There's nothing good I can do. There's not one thing. You know, the heart is deceitful above all things. You but know, he, doesn't, he says all those things. I don't think he quite means, though, that, like, he means, like, it isn't counted to you as righteousness. I mean, this is getting back to sort of, I mean, again, this is what Jeff was saying before about how our theology really matters. Like, I don't think he means by that that the person who helps an old lady cross the street 
is not doing something good. I think what he means by it is that all of our righteousness is filthy rags, which is to say, Mm -hmm. before our holy and perfect God, we cannot earn our righteousness, which means that we, I mean, it's partly what does good mean, right? So does Mm -hmm. good mean that we are, you know, able to sort of build a kind of file in the the data bank of 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 god's world and you know and justify ourselves and and paul's clearly in romans 8 i mean we were talking about romans before but uh, throughout romans talking about where righteousness comes from and and in that sense i think we all would agree that we don't earn our righteousness and we don't have adequate good deeds but i don't know that he means by that it's not good that those individual acts are them they just don't constitute goodness for us they don't make us good well, yeah, and I, it's interesting. You bring, I think Jesus even, he doesn't necessarily suggest that anything we do isn't good. What he's saying is that our righteousness has to exceed that of the Pharisees. Yeah. Like in Matthew five, twenty, he says, your righteousness has to exceed that of the Pharisees. And what he's referring to is his righteousness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That he's going Imputed to be in, to in, yeah, imparting yeah, to right, us. He's right. going to say, here, this is your righteousness now. <laughs> it was mine. I'm giving it to you. I'm going to take your sin. Wait, and let me explain I, what imputation means. Yeah, please. You <laughs> might need to, honestly. I, I think, uh, so imputation meaning given to yeah. <laughs> and counted to you as yours. That's, you know. Yeah, I mean, and thinking about alien righteousness, I used that term before, but when, alien. Luth, when Luther, yeah, you like aliens, right, Jared? Mm-hmm. Um, when Luther, or you like more into zombies, actually. Yeah, I, mean, I like it all. Alien, I like it all. But no, that, that. Things that are real. <laughs> <laughs> but that the righteousness doesn't belong to us is the entire point. Like Luther's wrestling in his um, Catholic monk phase with the inability of himself to perfect himself mm-hmm. led him, you know, to feel angry at God's righteousness because the demands he sensed were more than he could do. Like, I can't be as righteous as you require. But then his rereading of Scripture with a completely different understanding of righteousness meant that righteousness was something Christ gave us in himself. And right. and at that point, you can be good because but he, it's but again, his goodness. So getting back to goodness and righteousness and, and getting back to the Holy Spirit, yeah. then the, the way that this works in the Christian's life is... We are we are given him. We are given his spirit. We are given Jesus's spirit, the Holy Spirit, that is now our righteousness. And our righteousness was never going to make it. Was never going to be sufficient to to save us. Right. So we're given. So we're actually it's been imputed to us through the Holy Spirit, given to us by by Christ. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is our righteousness. What do you think, Jeff? Well, I, I'm looking here in Matthew 7, and so in Matthew 7, what, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Uh, on that day, many will say to me, do we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons, do many mighty works in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of lawlessness. So here's folks that we talked about, Pharisees, Sadducees, I mean, all these different people, think about modern day people that are do-gooders. Didn't I do all these things? You know, didn't I earn my way into heaven? He says, no, apart from me, I never knew you. But then for those that do know Jesus, who are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, we get to heaven. The thing that we we most want to hear is, job well done, my good and faithful servant. Well, but it's yeah. not us. We're not the ones doing, I mean, it is. We're, do, we're actually physically doing the good works, but it's because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and, right. and his work through us. So it's, it's. Right. Uh, I mean, this is highbrow stuff. It's you not know, something that you just kind of, you know, you have some, you know, uh, some Wheaties in the morning figured all out. Like this is right. a big ongoing process. Right. Um, and this is a concept that I think over time ends up kind of 
finding its way into our mm-hmm. hearts. Like I don't, I think, I think it's a mental concept initially that, that eventually finds its way into our hearts as we walk in obedience. Jesus says in John 14, you know, I was talking to somebody about, I was talking to somebody about maturity yesterday and I was making the point that maturity is essentially the only way that you can affect maturity in a person's life is through obedience. Um, and because you can't, you can't be mature if you're not being obedient. And that's why you get Christians that are, you know, you can get Christians that are super old <laughs> physically that are incredibly immature yeah. and constantly like harping on the wrong things. And then you've got people that are really young, that are really ma- like really mature. And, and it's only spiritually, because but spiritually, age-wise, but age-wise, they're immature. Age-wise they're immature. Yeah. And it's because they're walking in obedience. And so you've got this mm-hmm. kind of, and there's a marked spirit. difference. Right. Right. And so we are, we grow closer closer and so in john 14 jesus says if you love me you'll obey my commands and i my father and i will come we'll make ourselves make our home with you he said i'll reveal myself to you um those types of things so if you want to know it's like at the end of the day if you want to know jesus if you want to know god be obedient to him yeah walk in obedience and there's a corollary to that i mean this kind of gets us in one sense maybe off topic so maybe we should just drop it as soon as i say it (laughs) but it seems to me that like when we talk about boasting um and you know our own sense of status, um, which we could talk about too in terms of um, kind of the special gifts. Um, maybe that'd be interesting to think about too. Like why do people want to have, you know, speaking in tongues or prophecy or other things like that. But the point is that this, if the spirit is the one who is making us able to be righteous, then the spirit is also the one who gets the credit for any of those things like Jeff was just yeah. describing, right? Like yeah, it's not is. it's not sort of credited to us whether or not, I mean, we have the full credit of Christ in our account and then if he frees us to do good things, um, you know, that are such that our righteousness does uh, in both practical and impractical, I mean, that we really are more righteous in the things we do, um, that's also not us, not our boasting, not it's our... not our boasting. Yeah. Well, on the material side, we're talking about the material side of the, of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> the way that he functions in the Christian's life every day the more common way that he functions is in this character, is in this maturity, is in this walking. And you, you get to start seeing those things like love, joy, peace, patience, yeah. kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, I remembered it, and self-control. Yeah. Self-control. And, it, and, you, and the cool thing about that is because the Holy Spirit is a person, you, you don't just get one of those things at a time. You get the entire, you get all the fruit of the Spirit. You don't just yeah. get one. Yeah. And... Um, and you don't, mat- you don't, yeah, you don't graduate from one to the next. Like, right. Okay, it's now like, you're good with goodness. Right. Let's. So you're good. Check. Right. You've accomplished. It's not a competency that you check off. It's not like a one to five competency thing. It's a well, continual thing. Well, and don't we do that? I feel like even early on in my Christian life, in high school and things like that, I would be like, Lord, I just need more love, you know. And and you'd mm-hmm. kind of feel loving for a while, or I need more joy in my life, yeah. and you'd feel joyful for like a week, and yeah. then you'd be like, Lord, I need more joy, you know. Please give me more joy juice and. And spray it all over me, and I need joy, and then it wears off. It and is. Then, joy juice is good, though. Yeah, and then you take a couple showers, <laughs> yeah, and it yeah. wears off, and, yeah. and so that, ta- that spray tan <laughs> goes away. The uh, Yeah, relative to that, or related, I guess. <laughs> Not relative to it. Glenn was talking That's about the modern-day essential oils, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's joy, joy oil. <laughs> the, remember in it the mixes really good with kindness. In oh, the my last stomach hurts. <laughs> joy oil. <laughs> in the last part of the sermon, Glenn was discussing how in our um, life to come that we will be sort of free to do whatever we want to do um, where our desires will match up with righteousness so that you know what we want and what we do will themselves be good instead of you know like Paul in Romans 7 um, at the end where he's discussing 
the fact that you know the things he desires are what he shouldn't desire and what he desires to do he doesn't do and what he doesn't desire to do he does that that will no longer be our state in um the life that's to come and i mean that's really intriguing i think in terms of the spirit like the the full manifestation of the spirit is a kind of freedom um, which as you're describing it are, is total it's in all of these areas but it's there's no dissonance between sort of what you want to do and what you should do right you just right you are seamlessly integrated so that i mean and, and i find that really intriguing i mean the idea that we have that freedom is doing what you want is not mistaken it's just premature right like true freedom mm. would be doing what you want but where what you want would be the right thing to do mm. right so i mean that i think is like what we hunger for is that the dissonance between I like Venn diagrams, but like what we want and what we should want would be one circle rather than like partial overlapping circles. Yeah, um, that doesn't represent well in radio. <laughs> <laughs> Conceptually, Can you picture I see my the mind. Venn diagram. My, my pastor, two circles. My pastor, growing up, uh, my uh, my college my college pastor, he used to always say, "Love God and do what you want." Oh, he which, must have been a reformer. But that's a that's if you don't fully kind of parse that out, that can be very. That's a dangerous. It's a dangerous. I mean, it's a dangerous statement, but it can also be a freeing statement. But it it either it either gives you license for cheap grace, or Mm -hmm. but then if we're gonna go back to Jared, what you had said, so if you love me, you will obey my commands. Well, then what I if I so if I'm gonna say I love God and do what I want, then what I want to do, as you're saying, Caleb, is what He wants me to do. Right. But people, I think we like. We like that gray area. Love God right. and do what you want. Right. Am I loving God? Is, you know, am it I loving my neighbor? Matter. I love God. Yeah. I, have, I have affection towards yeah. God. Yeah. See, the, the thing about love is that Jesus redefines it in that moment. He says loving and obeying are the same thing. <laughs> yeah, loving and <laughs> you know, doing. He's not, he's not it's saying, like DC talk. Love's a verb. Love's a verb. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so I, I do think. Can you actually uh, wrap that for us? I could. Actually, we were talking about, you know, he was doing it. Yo, who's doing it? God is, do- God is doing that thing. What word? Get down with the DC. Down with the DC talk. Get d- down, down with the DC talk. Uh, anyway, so back In to other love, news. Is a, love is a verb. They're still well, making music. I know. Is anybody going on the cruise, the DC Talk cruise? No, uh, actually, though, but what's his name? Kevin is the lead singer of Newsboys now. Well, oh, yeah. no, that's uh, um, Oh, no, not Tate. Kevin. Uh, Michael Tate. Tate. Michael Tate. Yeah, well, Michael Kevin Tate. was the new of, of, of uh, audio. Audio Adrenaline. Audio Adrenaline. Yeah. 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 Which I'm Toby, not sure Toby Mac is just making. Toby, Toby Mac Mac's is doing great. Yeah. Toby Mac. Yeah. He really does his thing. He's, he's really awesome. I think Kevin Max though, stepped away. I don't. Is he still doing it? Is he still doing is audio? Is he with audio, audio Adrenaline? I don't know. How come they never use their full name? That's what I want to know. Okay, listen, guys. Let's get back we to We are this. talking about so let me talk, let's talk about something that let's Okay, talk nobody's about, gonna know no what gonna we're saying. So let's talk about some of the consequences <laughs> that you so liked good. that before, but I think I mean thinking about this freedom idea, I mean, I don't know if this is true for our listening audience because it kinda depends on who's who's listening. But I think one of the things that's interesting, I speak a lot to students about questions. I mean, Jeff just said, if I may quote him, that you should love God and do what you want. And and I think a lot of students and a lot of young adults are trying to figure out what they should do with their lives, mm. um, whether that's vocationally, whether that's marriage, um, marriage. <laughs> is what brings Thank us you for here today. Uh, and, and here's the point, though. Once I mean, again, no one knows what that is. Is that, yeah, they, they've seen, they've nope. seen Princess Bride, right? It's a classic. Um, but the, the point is that is the spirit-filled life is a life of freedom in the sense that there's not just one's, one choice in a way. Um, so you can, you know, who one might marry or what one might do to serve in this world are actually 
probably in some sense kind of open-ended questions um, for you so long as you actually are beginning with the love of God and the indwelling of the Spirit um, and following the Spirit. And so I think we spend a lot of energy on those questions that maybe we don't have to. Like well, in Psalms it says the steps of the men are, are, are ordered, ordered by the Lord. Yeah. And I wonder about that too. The example that Jesus gives us in his indwelling life. So when I talk about Jesus as an example, you know, to strive for, I'm not saying legalistically strive to be like Jesus where you're trying to achieve the love and grace and service that he did. What I'm saying is Jesus as an example in his relationship to God where he was indwelled by the Father and walking in obedience to the Father, prayerfully asking the Father what to do. He even said in John, I I'm, I'm keep bringing up John 14, but he said, I don't even do, I don't do anything that the Lord that God doesn't ask me to do. And he's like, at the end of John 14, he said, um, I need everyone to know that I'm obedient to the Father. And so he had this connection with God, obviously a sinless connection. Um, so there wasn't a communication problem between he and, he and the Father. But he, the Father was obviously interested in all the decisions Jesus was making. And Jesus was constantly submitting in every instance of every opportunity, everything. He was saying, okay, Father, this is yours. I'm going to do this for you. He didn't even ask God take his own will. So I think I'm looking at, I'm looking at that saying, love God, do what you want. And then I love the, I love the metaphor that, that Glenn brought up again, the driving metaphor where the Holy Spirit in us whispers to us and lets us know which direction he wants us to go. Yeah. We have the right to go where we want. Jesus, he never he never forces us to do anything. That's not his way. That's the devil's way. Forcing is the devil's way. He influences and encourages. And so when we get a, a chance, when you know, he says, "Go, I want you to go left. I think that's better for you." And then we decide, "No, no, right looks more fun." And then he's like, "No, you should go left. I want you to go left." And then you say, "But I want to go right." And he said, "Okay, well, I'll go with you, but I can't drive you there. I can't take you there." Yeah. And so I I actually think there's something to that. I think there's yeah. something real. And loving God, doing what you want, sort of conflicts with that idea in my mind. Well, so here's the thing, though. Like, I mean, we talked about this, I think, somewhat a couple weeks ago. But, I mean, when we were starting off talking about spirit in these sort of, you know, transcendent and immaterial terms, I mean, going back to the life of Christ, it seems like the way that Christ is in tune with, or um, to use a, a musical metaphor, uh, the Father is actually through very concrete and material means, right? Like the practices of his life are... So if you want to know... I mean, paradoxically, if you want to know what the immaterial spirit is telling you to do, you know, journal. <laughs> you know, and like... So, I mean, obviously Jesus maybe or may not journaled. I don't know. He had a scroll he carried <laughs> under his arm. But, <laughs> I'm guessing he did it. But, <laughs> but, the, but the material body is not somehow like separate from knowing God's will. And so... That you know, that we're talking about spiritual disciplines, and it is interesting how even the idea of spiritual disciplines sounds, or s- Christian spirituality as phrases, both of those sound odd to I think contemporary people because if we think of spirit as not being about the body, but throughout much of the history of the church, when people talk about spirituality, what they mean by it is like primarily what you do with your body, not like some sort of you know transcendent otherworldly thing, but you know praying the offices or you know, um, fasting or, and that these are the means by which you, you seek the infilling of God in your life and how you know where you should be going is that your life is so rich in the spirit 
that you, which is again through these very concrete practices that so the that, concrete that work. So maybe the concrete, like Richard Foster was talking about, the deceleration yeah, of whatever. disciplines. Yeah. Those things are not necessarily what gives us righteousness or what gives us the will of God. What those things do is they give God a an opportunity to actually communicate. So we're yeah, it, it kind of it's the space in which yeah. the spirit. So I think Glenn talked about marriage, right? Uh-huh. Didn't he talk? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so he was talking about marriage, and I, I don't, I think it was a more specific example that he was using. But if you think about how relationships, whether marriage or just friendships, work, they are usually maintained by very specific sets of practices. Like you have a friendship that is codified or structured around something you guys do together, mm-hmm. or you have a marital relationship where you know it's. I mean, C.S. Lewis, and since you like C.S. Lewis, I'll quote C.S. Lewis. Uh, but when Lewis talks about four loves, he talks about friendship love as being two people directed at a third object, right? And right. and in contrast to to eros, which is two people focused, you know, turned each towards other. each other. And he talks about how most marriages are actually primarily friendship love, not eros. And what he means by that is not like there's no erotics to, to marriage, but he means that it's primarily this third thing you're doing, um, you know, whatever that is. Like my wife and I share, you know, a common interest, obviously, in our children, and that's like our relationship is like us regularly participating in raising them together mm-hmm. or in, in when we have a entrepreneur we have a job that we do together and we have meetings for it together and we have this third thing that we're doing mm-hmm. and, and and again it's our our sort of affect for each other and the immaterial part of relationship is actually produced through these very material ways that we live in community with one another well right I, I think that's a metaphor by the way well, it is a metaphor, and I think in our relationship, uh, it's an analogy for our relationship with God, because my so then what what I think what follows is that if we don't have those practices, then we choose to have a really crappy relationship with God. I think, but and that's encouraged you know. by a certain view of spirituality, because yeah. a certain view of spirituality that we we haven't really talked about how different churches and denominations think about spirituality, but there's one version of it that's pretty common that that relies on a very very attenuated religious set of practices and is maintained by this sort of felt thing rather than and and it's sort of like well whatever this and it leads to lots of problems the roman church the i mean the orthodox church we're talking about like a structured life yeah those are churches where you you do specific religious actions and then those those religious actions kind of give you this thing but we have our own and the life of christ is that way that's the thing is it's not like jesus is just like not, I mean, he's a rabbi, right? Like they, mm-hmm. like he has been trained in in the interpretation of scripture. He's walking around. I mean, he's pra- the, one of the things that's been really useful in the last fifteen years is that you know the the sort of Near East context has become much thicker in biblical studies, and in one sense that's led to some heresies, but in other ways it's actually led to us sort of remembering who Jesus was and where he was teaching out of, and he was teaching out of. A, a very thick rabbinical context where he was trained with a certain set of practices and and that you know doesn't like disqualify him at all on the contrary like that's how he's you know walking around doing what he's doing and it is right. it affects his and so that if we think we can just sort of just sort of do whatever and the spirit will just kind of land on us mm-hmm. i mean in one sense i don't want to say the spirit can't do that um, but in the history of the church that's not primarily the model that well, we see and i think what we what you're talking about too is a sort of combination um, of like religious practices and I mean a bunch of different kinds of religious practices I think in the evangelical church and in, as, you know, in a worshiping church or even like a church that skews charismatic we would, we would probably focus most of our spiritual attention on the, the actual worship event like I would say worship and we say okay that's where I hear the Lord in fact I would say that primarily 
the people that listen, the people that I talk to are always like, man, I, I really, I experience God through worship, you know, like that's really where it's at. Um, the rest of my life, not so much, you know, maybe praying, maybe reading the word a little bit. Some people are the word people, but, um, but there's actually, you're suggesting that there's a lot more. There's, there's fasting, there's other disciplines, um, silence that, that we can be engaging into to make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit speaking to our lives so that we can hear. Silence is hard on the radio. <laughs> Silence is hard on the it spirit. It does not sell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it does not. No, and I mean, I, I. but, you know, to your point, though, I mean, part of it, too, is recognizing how some of the sort of, we, we, we tend to think in, in sort of low church traditions that we don't have a liturgy and we don't have a set of practices um, because we think of ourselves in contrast to some other set of churches that have more liturgy and more codified practices. But it's not like we don't have, I mean, like your example of, of, of worship services, right? Like mm. that is one of the primary ways the historical church has experienced a kind of profound communal sense of the presence of the spirit. Mm. Like we certainly shouldn't diminish that. Um, and, and I mean, that's part of the reason why we encourage people to be in worship every week. And that's why we like encourage people to not just be in worship once a well, week. Well, that's why I'm a worship leader. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like that should be a, diminished. Like that's a really practical right. side to the, the immaterial side of right. worship. And for me personally, I mean, I don't know if Jeff feels this way, but I experience God's presence most fully, most often in the context of worship services. I mean, of, yeah. of actual, you know. Yeah, I mean, whether that's the teaching of the word or the songs or both or the sacraments, you know, which are part of the disciplines as well. Totally. What do you it, think, Jeff? Well, I think it's it's ordered. And I think that there's something beautiful about beautiful, beautiful? Is that what beautiful? That's a, that's a combination of mutable and beautiful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Imputable. <laughs> so. But this, the reality, so if we look in Second Corinthians, I think it is, uh, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So there's freedom where the spirit is. And we talked about that. So there is great freedom. Uh, it is a freeing thing to be in a place where the spirit dwells, and we have these we have these languages where we say stuff like, "We'll we'll pray," and you know, "Oh God, Jesus, Lord," you know, if we mention His name like seventy five times, that's the the formula for really. And then we say, "We invite you into this place," right? Which well, is weird. Well, he's already here. He's hanging out. Like for he's, him, it he, must be a weird request. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he's like, like, I'm guys, right here, sitting next to you. Guys, I'm, right, I'm here already, uh, but thank you. You have bad theology. Thanks for acknowledging me. <laughs> but there's, the, I think you there's this really beauty. We see it all the way from creation. We see it today that you that there's 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 order and chaos, or maybe not chaos in the best term, but there's if you want to use chaos with freedom, but this order, the liturgical approach. So um, there's a book, um, I just got it in the mail, I think last week. Uh, Tish, uh, Harrison Warren. She wrote a book called The Liturgy of the Ordinary. Mm -hmm. And so it's how, you know, basically it's this idea that we think that it's, you know, um, it's somehow more um, spirit led or you could even say more more sexy to go on a missions trip to Africa than it is to do the dishes in our living room or to serve our our family or, you know, if we're college, you know, to wash our roommates dishes like these are all acts of worship um, and they're spirit inspired acts of worship. Mm -hmm. Um and it's how we encounter Christ. It's how we encounter the Holy Spirit in us. Uh, I heard it said too that uh, following Jesus is a lot like going to work with your dad. Um, <laughs> so, in in the work that our our Father is in is sanctification, it's saving souls. Mm. And so, when He says, <clears throat> "I only do that which I see my Father doing," well, if, if we're going to go back to this idea that I'm going to obey, if I you love me, you'll obey me. What I'm to do to get to this work idea, Caleb, is what it's it's what God's doing. 
And I think that we, we over-spiritualize and we overanalyze, and so much so that we get to this point of, you know, what do they call it? paralysis by analysis, where we think, God, what am I supposed to do? I just want to know your will. And I think his will is pursue holiness, seek seek me, and get off your backside and go do something. Yeah, I like that. I like where, I like the material, I like the, the functional side of this, the fact that our lives change, not just in our character, but in the way that we, the way that, the way that we act, the um, acts that we do, the service that we do. Um, and in addition, the Holy Spirit will occasionally do something crazy. Yeah. Like um, that's the, that's the environment we live in. We live in a spiritual environment where that is real. And, um, and, uh, and supernature meets nature um, often. O- often. And I, I would say probably more often than we even realize. And so I think that's where we should probably close this particular conversation for the week because we have four more weeks talking about the Holy Spirit, so I'm really excited about it. Wait, can I say one thing before? <laughs> okay, before yeah. you close it off? Yeah, and it's me. just to disagree with Jeff in one small way, which is that sometimes you can best serve the Lord by staying on your behind. Like sometimes you don't have to get off mm. your behind. Like actually, I think activity, at least understood in one way, is mm-hmm. part of the scourge of the church. Like we feel obligated to sort of do our Christian work by doing something. And in one sense, I think that's entirely right. But and I, I think it's it's totally wisdom for certain contexts. But in another sense, I think one of the problems for the church is that we aren't able to just sit and be present and and listen and wait and study and pray and. And so, we, which is maybe another way of saying, maybe we need to get off our behinds and get on our knees. <laughs> yeah, get on our knees. Well, <laughs> which just doesn't me, mean get on our feet. <laughs> well, again, we can, we tend to compartmentalize our Christian life because if we truly understand loving Christ as being obedient to Christ and being obedient to Christ, what's essential for that is being able to hear His voice and obey it. Um, then our lives are not going to be uh, our works are not going to be disconnected from that. Yeah. And so those things have to be integrated in, our, in order for us to be working even effectively because all of our works are going to be as filthy rags if we're doing them on our own. Because if Jesus doesn't ask us to do it and we go out and we do it, it's not going to be worth anything. Hmm. And so we need to what, – what our focus needs to be is learning how to hear his voice and obeying it, and then from there we can, we can start working the way he wants us to work. That means every opportunity, every question, every – Every decision that we make needs to be brought before the Lord so that he can speak into it. And I really do think he has opinions about that stuff. And I, I kind of I, I lean on that side of, of my relationship with God where there are certain people that do the love God and, and, and do whatever you want. I lean on the other side where it's like love God and ask him about everything and then see what he does. Because he is communicating. <laughs> yeah, that might be I mean that might be a, an interesting area for us to talk about going forward is um, sort of what we'll call Jarrett's view, and then what we could call like the it's Jarrettology. Jarrettology, <laughs> and 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 maybe the other side of that would be sort of an object in motion stays in motion unless acted upon by an equal and opposite force. And what I mean by that is not to get all physicsy, but to say that. Um, but you did. But yeah, I, you I did. did. Boom. Okay. Boom. Um, but on the other hand, that you know, in some ways, I think God shows up in our motion, which I know is maybe going back to what Jeff said. Like sometimes, I mean. Maybe those are both true. It's not to fall off a log no, on either I side. Think maybe, like, maybe we're kind we of. We should be asking and we should be moving. <laughs> and sometimes that, you know, asking may be moving at the same time. And then yep. God redirects um, our actions. I mean, I think that's. I do think that there's a kind of paralyzing aspect to a lot of young Christians' lives where they are sort of sitting around asking 
um, while they have right in front of them the opportunity mm -hmm. of, of whatever it is, right? Like their education or the job they're currently in yeah. where they could be very concretely either working towards or serving um, mm -hmm. the kingdom right now. And instead of, mm -hmm. of, of that good enough, and this isn't just for them as well, like instead of hungering after some better place to, to be spiritual, <laughs> you know, right. be present and use, you know, what you have in that moment to and offer. And, and asking though with the intention to get an answer. Because we ask, well, I'm just asking questions yeah. under the guise of, I just really want God to stamp his approval on this thing that I really want to do. Yeah. And But but we let's ask. Let's pray. Let's get off our backs. And assume that he actually will really, do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've been praying about that recently. Like, <coughs> I don't feel like I have the capacity to do certain things I need to do. And do I really think God will do it if I ask him? And, I mean, that's scary. Like, you know, yeah. I can't do this, God, but you need to. Yeah. And I feel like you're asking me to, but I don't have the ability to. So if I'm going to do it. It seems like that's where he likes you to be, though. Yeah. I often think God yeah. asks us to do things that we can't do on our own so that he can show. I mean, all through Scripture, you talk about the, all the Old Testament yeah. and the New Testament. It's like, well, th this is impossible with yeah. man, but with God, all things are possible. Yeah. Um, I think Also next a good week, topic for another week. Yes. Yeah. I think, honestly, <laughs> next week we're going to talk a little bit more maybe about some of the more sensational stuff uh, with the Holy Spirit. I also think we should talk about how the Holy Spirit affects our decision-making process because we just kind of basically talked about it where, you know, what do we do? How do we make decisions as Christians? And what's a mature decision-making process uh, as a Christian? Um, and how do we hear the voice of God? Um, I think that's going to be really cool too. We'll talk about a lot of that stuff. We're going to talk about, um, we're going to continue to talk about the indwelling life of Christ, um, the uh, functional Christianity that we were kind of were referring to before. Um, but anyway, thank you guys so much for this conversation. This is, this is, I think, where it's at. Uh, I think this is, this conversation is where the Christian life, this is where it either kind of the rubber meets the road. This is where we either, if we don't get these concepts down as Christians, then we're going to probably not understand our Christian life and probably not live the life that God has asked us to live in the fullness and the abundance. Um, so these things are, these things are really important. Uh, so anyway, um, that was a great sermon recap for the week, uh, but we're not done, okay, with the thing. There's there's a whole new section, so we're going to talk about your church right now. Amazing experience. Okay, one last thing. Uh, this week, March 12th, uh, we have The Barn. If you guys want to know what's going to go on, Caleb and I are going to have a discussion about the Holy Spirit on stage so you'll get a sense of what the podcast is about if you haven't yet uh which if you've listened to this this far you probably have some sense oops <laughs> but come anyway <laughs> yeah come anyway and uh so we'll have a discussion about the holy spirit uh just a quick one it's not going to be as long as this uh, but uh, then we're going to give you a chance to kind of talk through it there's going to be extended worship it's going to be great there's probably going to be tacos i'm just saying um and maybe some good coffee maybe not tacos anyway um, so that's coming up this week. Um, the Women of Purpose Conference is coming up as well. Um, if March 25th, okay. If you're a young adult and um, if you're a first-timer, they want to give you a deal. Um, so $55, um, you would need to sign up uh, on March 25th here. Or I guess not March 25th. Yeah, we'd sign up, sign up by March 13th. That's how you get it. It's at purposechurch.com slash women of purpose. Um, so get on that. Um, 
Anyway, so in the future, what I'd love if you guys could go on iTunes now that we're there, give us a five-star review uh, and uh, let people know what this is about because that helps us out a ton. Um, great. Thank you, guys. That concludes Episode 4 of the Purpose Podcast. We want to thank you so much for listening to the show. If you'd like to send us your feedback on today's episode or ask us a question, you can do so by emailing us at purpose at podcast at purposechurch.com or you can also follow us on Instagram at Purpose Pomona. So if you'd like to follow me, you can do so at twitter.com slash Jared Master or come talk to me after one of our services. Um, yeah, so Caleb, again, how can people connect with you, dude? Email? Yes, email at cspencer, S-P-E-N-C-E-R, at apu.edu. <laughs> That was really slow. Okay, and uh, I'm working on slowing down. <laughs> it was down. a little slow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, we it's do a, talk fast. It's a fast. Liter- liturgical. We definitely talk uh, fast. Jeff, how can people get a hold of you, man? Carrier pigeon or snail mail. Okay, those two things are yeah. totally impossible. Totally uh, impossible. Anyway, so. JSBoyan at gmail.com. Oh, we're getting right, cool. Gmail, not work emails, man. Dead gummit. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, you can also email me, guys, if you would like to. Um, and you can do so at jarrettlemaster at gmail.com. All right, Purpose Church is a Purpose Studios production. For more information on the other shows in the Purpose family, head on over to purposechurch.com or follow us on Facebook or on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Let's connect on Sunday in a small group or a service opportunity. And let's get deeper from my co-host, Caleb Spencer, my producer, David Brandon, and our guest, Jeff Boyan. We will see you next Sunday or next time on The Purpose Podcast.